There's victory in the name of Jesus. There's victory in the name of the Lord. Call on that name. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Victory in the name of Jesus. Victory in the name of Jesus. Victory in the name of Jesus. Victory in the name. Good morning, Grace Church. It is so good to see all of you here today. Stand with me this morning. Would you look at somebody, give them a smile, tell them it's great to see you on a Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. So good to see all of you here today. Welcome to the campus. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, so glad you've chosen to make today uh, our service today a part of your day. We know you'll be blessed by that. I want us to start today with just some praise. Did did anybody come with some praise in their heart, with a song in their mouth? Can we just do that right now? Lift up holy hands, lift our voice with a shout. Lord, we praise you today. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter into your courts with praise. You're good, Jesus. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, that's good. Grace Church, for just about 30 seconds, I wish somebody would take their liberty and shout into the Lord. Come on, walls are coming down. Barriers are being broken. Chains are being loose. Come on, there's power in praise. Somebody lift up their hallelujah today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Friday night at the men's conference, they sang a song I had forgotten about. I guess it's an older song. I had heard it some years ago. It just said, I'll raise a hallelujah even in the presence of mine enemies. And I just kind of thought back to a few Sundays ago, we talked a little bit about hallelujah, but even in the presence of your enemies, hallelujah is in order. Even on the mountain, hallelujah is in order. No matter what you're going through, praise the Lord is in order. Hallelujah. Oh, I've come to praise Jesus today. How about you? I've come to lift up a hallelujah today. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated this morning. Uh, two brief announcements. I want you to remember uh, Tuesday morning prayer at 10 o'clock right here in the sanctuary. There will be Tuesday morning prayer right here in the sanctuary at 10 o'clock uh, this Tuesday. And then 21 days of sacrifice continues. That will conclude next Sunday. And uh, thank you all for a time of sacrifice and prayer. God's already moving. He's already doing some amazing things during this time, and there's going to be more to come. I just believe that some great things are on the horizon. Amen. 
Amen. Praise God. Well, as I mentioned last Sunday, and you've noticed over the last couple of Sundays, we've heard from different ones of our students, different ones from our youth group. And uh, haven't they been a blessing? You know, last Sunday, it turned out, Allison preached the message uh, as it turned out, right? Amen. Amen. So we had a word from God from, from Allison last, uh, last week, and we heard from Braylon Starnes before that. Today, it is my privilege to bring to you Noah Watley. He is going to speak from the word of the Lord. Noah, come. Amen. You've already made him welcome. Give him another hand. Good morning, Grace Church. So, um, as I was lying in my bed one morning, I saw a video that piqued my interest. It said that the only animal that would dare attack an eagle is a crow. The crow will jump on the eagle's back and just peck and annoy the eagle. However, the eagle will pay no attention to this tiny black bird and will just keep going higher and higher and higher. And what caught my attention was that the eagle will not attack this bird, but will go into an environment where the crow cannot survive, a place where the bird can't breathe. So church, why are we wasting our time and our efforts on our crows? That's exactly what the devil wants. It's that we need to go higher into his presence, higher into his fire. Because the higher you go into holiness, the less the devil can breathe. Stop looking at the crows. They're nothing. It may seem like all of hell is on your back, but it's just one tiny bird. And guess what? You're bigger than him. You're stronger than him. You can go higher. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. The eagle knows that the crow cannot do that much damage towards him. Church, when are we going to get it? The devil will never take us down. The crows in our lives are simply there to distract us and to make us waste our energy, our time, our strength on them. I think it's time we stop giving the devil the attention he wants. We need to understand that we are bigger, stronger, and more powerful than him. So, if you're wondering how to get rid of your crows, let me show you how. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in this sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him into His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with a sultry and heart. Praise Him with the temple and dance. Praise Him with the string instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath rest praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise in the valley, praise 
For your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God
your seats and look at your neighbor and tell them I'm glad to see you. Everybody didn't do that. There's only a handful. So you're not happy to see your neighbor? Is that what I'm seeing here today? Look at your other neighbor and tell him I'm glad to see you. Thank the Lord. Praise God. On that note, you may be seated. Thank you, praise team, for once again taking us to the throne of God today. We're so thankful for the wonderful worship that's been made manifest here today. But uh, I'm sure that, well, all of us are waiting for what's coming in just a few moments uh, with our speaker today. But before we get to that, uh, we want to give some honor today to our young brother, Tucker Coley. God beautifully filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost last Sunday. Tucker, come up here, buddy. Come up here. Thank the Lord. And... Uh, I believe when God does that, he does a good job. And uh, whatever a part of us that he fills up with his spirit, I believe it's in our entire being. Whatever happened last Sunday, Tucker got an overflowing, what, dose of the Holy Ghost, for lack of a better word. God really blessed him. And I'm so proud of him. I'm thankful that God loves grown-up people. But I'm also thankful that he loves our children. Thank the Lord. I believe God has some partiality to children. Thank the Lord. He got pretty strong when he said, if you offend one of these, my little ones, a millstone should be tied around your neck and cast in the sea. He don't talk about that like that when adults offend each other. But if you hurt one of these, you're in a whole nother element with, with God, according to what Jesus said. We're proud of you, Tucker. And I uh, want God to keep his hand on you guide your footsteps and use you mightily in the kingdom as you know we have a certificate for you that you can give to your mama she'll keep it in safekeeping for you but this is says that you received the holy ghost september the 10th 2023 at grace church of central so shake my hand dude and congratulations there you go i just have a feeling that if tucker stays the course and I'm sure he will especially if his mama has anything to do with it uh, I look forward to one day that he'll be up here speaking to us and delivering us to the word of God and speaking of that having our young people done an amazing job on Sunday morning delivering the word of God uh, we had a that service last Sunday that just ran away with us and uh, ones that you enjoy the most where there's no preaching and uh, one of those services and uh, but Allison came, came up here last Sunday and just absolutely uh, just took the word of God and touched our hearts with it and uh, I love her dearly she loves God she loves the kingdom of God and I'm very proud of her and you did an amazing job last Sunday and how about Noah Christopher this morning he did an amazing job I have a feeling we're going to remember what Noah said about the eagle and the crow. Uh, that might lodge in your head, and you'll not forget that anytime soon. And uh, great job, Noah. Thank you for ministering to our hearts today. And um, I believe everything you said. Thank the Lord. What a great presentation today done by Noah. Thank the Lord. 
we're thankful to have Dr. Rhea Cooper here with us today. And uh, I've been excited about this service to see how the Word of God can apply to the area that she will delve into today. But uh, before we finish that part of it, I'm so thankful for her family and friends that came with her today. Uh, Sister Tanya, great to see you today. Thank you for being here, coming. And uh, they've come not to just listen, but Sister Cooper, Dr. Cooper said they've come to help. They enjoy working with people, praying with people, and uh, certainly behind her ministry. So if you'd stand with me one more time in honor uh, to this marvelous lady who has taken a career path and put God right in the middle of it. Uh, she does do counseling uh, during the week as a career path, but she gives absolutely as much time as she can uh, to this ministry coming to the church of God to help them with mental wellness. And it's such an important, important part. I have believed for years when Jesus was in Gethsemane uh, on that night that crucifixion began, that the, the mental anguish that he went through that night, I, I just can't imagine the pressure uh, mentally on him. Uh, we forget sometimes that he was still a man and nobody would look forward to that he was willing but he did ask in those last moments of Gethsemane if it be possible let this cup pass from me the blood came through the pores of his skin there was so much pressure and I find that all throughout the word of God that people not only wrestle with their heart habits lifestyle attitude but they wrestle with their mind as a matter of fact, in my opinion, the majority of the New Testament deals with the mind. Paul said, let this mind being you that was also in Christ Jesus. And I believe God cares about our heart, but he also cares about our head. And uh, so I want you to open your heart. This is different from anything we've ever done in our 30 years here as pastor. But uh, I believe it's necessary and it's an important part. And I'm thankful for men and women who have the intelligence and the desire to delve into this very challenging field, but not just do it as a secular job, but to do it to the minister, to do it to minister to the body of Christ. We're so thankful Dr. Rhea Cooper is here this morning. Give your time and attention to her. Let the Lord bless you through her. Give her some welcome as she comes to minister today. Thank you. give him some compliments right back. I, it's been such an honor to get to know his family. Cassie and Marcus have been dear friends to me and my family for probably about 15 years now. And though we haven't had too, too many interactions, I could hear his heart for you on the phone. When he called, it was evident that he was willing to take a risk to step out in faith to speak on mental health because he cares about y'all. And I encourage you to, to care right back to him. He didn't pay me to say this, but <laughs> but it's so important that we encourage, we pray for our pastors. They shield you from the attacks of the enemy before you even realize the attacks are coming. So I think we should give him a hand clap for all the, the things that he's doing. Thank you for your warm welcome. You can be seated. I'm not going to make you stand too long. Also want to honor my family when starting this mental health ministry. I don't think they realized that they were going to be in the crew as well. So they've just come along for this journey and they've endured many attacks from the enemy because of 
this ministry, but they have been so faithful and so true, and I give them honor today as well. And lastly, I give honor to my pastor, Brother Derek Weber. He has supported me wholeheartedly in this ministry. He sends me texts of encouragement. He sends me words of wisdom. So I honor my pastor, and I thank him for allowing me to minister to different churches. I don't know about y'all, but I feel like there's such a sweet spirit of anticipation in this place. And when I was praying, me and my family were in deep prayer for the service. And what came to mind was I felt like God was excited. And there's something so special when you feel like there's this faith that's building before you even step foot into the door. And I believe that what God is going to do here is going to be a defining moment, not only for you individually, but as a corporate body in the church. So as I was praying for this sermon, uh, sometimes God speaks to me in random places. It's the strangest things because I'll be, you know, doing, you know, whatever it is in my house. And all of a sudden, God will drop a little word. And sometimes I don't really understand it fully. So as I was praying, God gave me the word for you undoing. And at first I was like, okay, I think I just made that up. You know, sometimes we doubt ourselves more than we even doubt God. And I got that word and I looked up the definition. And the definition was a person's downfall. And I was like, oh Lord, I can't go in and tell them that that's the word that God has given me is undoing. That's very like ominous. I mean, it's kind of a little bit sad or a little scary, but I, I trusted God. And I told God, I said, God, if that's the word that you've given me, I'm going to speak it, even if it doesn't make sense. And sometimes God will give you a word to test your obedience before he gives you clarity. So the next few days I started just praying. And as I was writing this message, I was, you know, just detailing and praying and fasting over it. And I was basically trying to ask God, what is this word? And as I was typing on my, my screen, all of a sudden some worship music as I was playing a song came on. And it was the strangest thing because I wasn't paying much attention to it. But all of a sudden, the artists, they started singing Undone. And they kept repeating it. Undone, undone, undone. And God said, that's the second word I have for them. Undoing and undone. And it was the strangest thing because, I mean, no, I was... As I was typing and I heard the word, I was like, like I stopped. And then all of a sudden, it's embarrassing to say, I started kind of looking behind me, like as if God was right there behind my shoulders. <laughs> like he was, he was putting on the, uh, the song for me. But it became so abundantly clear that he wanted that word to be said. He wanted to give me peace, but he wanted to test my obedience. And what he told me was, he said, there has been multiple attacks from the enemy that has tried to infiltrate this church. It's come through the mind, it's come through physical attacks, it's come through relationships, and the devil meant to undo. He was, he was trying to undo what God had called you to do. And what the, the Lord told me was, I'm undoing every attack of the enemy that he's put on this church. The undoing is not for you, the undoing against, is against the enemy and the spiritual warfare that has come to attack our families. And the second word, when he said undone, what he was saying is the specific attacks that the enemy brought, the anxiety, the depression, the suicide, the marriage issues, it was going to be undone in the name of Jesus. So before I even go into my sermon today, I think it would be completely appropriate for us just to start off with something specific. Now what I want you to do, and I'm going to invite you to do, is I want you to imagine what you've come into this place today with. Is it mental health issues? Is it spiritual attacks? Is it pain in your body? 
And I want you to imagine it in one of your hands. And what we're going to do is when I pray, I want you to imagine and I want you to say the words, it's undone. The anxiety is undone. The attacks are undone. And what the enemy thought was my undoing is actually going to be my victory. And in the second hand, I want you, if it's appropriate, to grab your partner's hand. And what we're going to do is we're going to lift our hands. One hand is going to represent your struggle. And the second hand is going to represent your friend's struggle. Because sometimes we have to stand in the gap for one another. And as I'm praying, I want you just to use your voice. I'm going to ask you to be a little bit engaged and active. I want you to start speaking it out loud that it's undone and to speak by faith because what God is going to do is he's going to give you the victory before we even see what takes place in the service. So if you can, just help me out. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, every attack of the enemy that he thought was our undoing is actually going to be his undoing. I speak faith in this place right now. I speak healing. I speak for whatever emotional wound that has come in through, through these doors. By your name, we speak peace. We speak healing. It's going to be undone in Jesus' name. There's going to be peace that are in our minds. There's going to be healing that is in our body. There's going to be victory in our relationships. And before we even see the outcome, we're going to start praising you in advance because we, are, we know that you are the God that sees us and you are the God of healing. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You can be seated. Thank you so much for your participation. Sometimes we have to praise God before we see the outcome, and that's, that's walking by faith. When I started this mental health ministry, it's about, been about two years or so, God spoke to me clearly, and he said, there's strongholds that are attacking our churches and our families, and I want you to speak out loud. That's going to be your ministry. And at first, I told God, I was like, God, I'm the person that runs from feelings. Like, I'm a counselor. That's why I'm a counselor, because I don't want to address my own feelings sometimes. <laughs> and he told me, he said, Raya, in order for this ministry to be effective, you have to be vulnerable. And so, honestly, I ran from it probably a few months, and I'm like, God, call someone else. Like, pick someone else, because I, I think this introvert isn't going to be able to withstand all of the, the extroverted nature. And... You know, the, the, the amazing thing about God is he's so intentional. He's so patient. He's so patient with us. So I went to my pastor and I said, Pastor, I feel like this is what God is calling me to do. And right after I spoke that out loud, the attack started coming. And if I can speak frankly to you, because I believe that one of the struggles in our churches is we're not willing to be vulnerable to share where we're at emotionally. Sometimes it's easy for us to say, I have a physical ailment. But what if it's an emotional ailment? And for probably about six to eight months, I was attacked so much in my mind. I was anxious. I was depressed. Oftentimes, the enemy would come in the middle of the night. And for months, I wasn't sleeping, but maybe a few hours. And it got to the point where every stronghold that I spoke against was the strongholds that visited me in the middle of the night. And the enemy knows what he's doing. He knows that when it's nighttime, a lot of times we get a little bit more fearful. We don't have as many people around us. So it got to the point where I was even seeing clients. And in the middle of sessions, I would barely have a breath. My breathing was labored. I would have a sickness in my body. I had to go to the hospital at one point because I was grinding my teeth and my body was exhausted from the weight of this mental health struggle. And there came a defining moment and I remember pulling up to my house, and I was pushing my hands up against my mind, and I said, God, I'm reaching a breaking point. And I said, I don't know how much longer I can do this because my mind is trying to have faith, 
but my body is suffering. And he specifically gave me a word, and just for time purposes, I'm not going to go full in depth of it, but he told me that I had to learn how to speak with dominion. I had to speak with authority. So it started off in the middle of the night, and even from that moment, that defining moment, I still had to go through the storm. Sometimes we have to keep walking our healing out. But I had something that shifted in me. And when the enemy would come in the middle of the night, I would pace my house and I would start worshiping God. And I finally got to the point where I got a little sassy with them. And, I'm, and normally that's not my nature. Don't say anything, family. <laughs> but I said, you know what, devil, if you keep waking me up, every time you wake me up, I'm going to worship God. So you might as well let me sleep. And he did for a little while. But my purpose is in saying that is we have to model vulnerability if we want to be able to find our healing, if we want to help others find healing, and if we want to find purpose in the kingdom of God. So what I want to talk to you today about is being able to take dominion in your mind. And the title of my message is Limp to Victory. And it's so important for us to be aware and to address our thoughts and our feelings. And I love research. I'm a little bit of a nerd. And I love to know the why behind things. Because I feel like when we know why, we're able to better know how to combat the attacks of the enemy. Research has found that a single word, one word that you say out loud, has the power to influence your brain just by one word. Negative language, if we're constantly spewing negativity, it actually disrupts genes in our brain that uh, impact our immune system. So just by speaking negatively, you start to impact the chemicals in your brain that are meant to help you, meant to serve you. But research has shown that if you concentrate on positive words, you become more motivated, you see other people in a positive light, and you also see your, yourself more healthy. And it proves, and the scriptures talk about this, that there is so much power in our tongue because our tongue, our words can literally change our brain in a helpful or in a harmful way. And this isn't saying that we can't vent or we can't have tough days. But if negativity becomes our lifestyle, then we got to tweak something. we got to fix it. In the enemy, he cannot hear your thoughts. But as soon as we say words out loud, he can try to take dominion in the natural realm. And what he does is he adds fuel to the fire of our thoughts. And he tries to cause more and more negativity. And what happens is these negative thoughts replay on a loop. And it can cause you to make decisions today based off of yesterday's pain. God has created us to be people of emotion. He actually is endeared to us with our emotion. But we cannot be ruled by our feelings. They were never meant to control us. And if we aren't careful, we will allow the enemy to use our feelings to play tricks on us. And this is how it happens. He'll tell us things like, hey, you know you're always going to be depressed. You're never going to get through this grief. You're always going to be angry. You're always going to have marital issues. You're going to be consumed by trauma. You're going to continue to be inflicted. And what he wants you to do is to tie your identity to your struggle versus it being tied to being an overcomer and a child of the king. He is a puppet master of emotions, and he seeks to change our perception of reality. The thing is, he can't control what's happening and what God's will is for our life, but he can try to change your perception of it. And he wants to tell you that healing is never going to happen. He wants to distort your view of God, of people, and even yourselves. And ultimately, he wants you to give up right before your victory. That brings him joy. And I found that even with working with clients, that we have to start changing our view of healing. 
Because healing, we know that miracles can take place. We're still in a day where miracles can happen like this. However, a lot of times, healing is a process that we have to keep walking out. And I started to tell my clients, you know, healing can look like sustainability. Healing doesn't always mean the removal of the trial. Sometimes our healing can come from God giving us strength to endure the trial. And it's so important for us to start bringing our emotions to God. If you're angry with God, bring it to him. If you're in fear, if you're anxiety, you can go to him and say, God, these are the emotions I'm going through. And he doesn't shame you. He draws you nearer. Sometimes it's easy for us to believe that God's going to fight for us physically or spiritually, but we just struggle to believe that he is the protector of our feelings, and he is. And I like to call it, we have to fact check ourselves and the enemy. And instead of us saying, man, I have all this healing left to do. Look at all the stuff I've got to overcome. We can stop and say, look at the healing that God has already brought me out of. And our proof is in the battles and the victories that God has claimed for us and has already given to us. And I encourage you to use the word of God to ground your mind. There's nothing like the scriptures. I can give you all the clinical strategies in the world, and I'm an advocate of it, and I'm an advocate of counseling. But the word of God is an answer for some of these struggles. And we have to take our authority. We have to use the scriptures to bring our blessings into the natural realm. Deuteronomy 28, 7 says, The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. In Matthew 16, 19, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, it shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, it shall be loosed in heaven. God has given you that authority. And sometimes we don't use it. We don't believe that we have the authority. But God has already given you as proof in scriptures. And we have to use those scriptures as proof when we start to have a shake, shaken faith. When we start to believe that we're not going to overcome. Speak those, those scriptures out loud. Speak the truth out. And what's amazing is that when we bind the attacks on our mind and we do the work to be healthier, not only do we impact ourselves, but we actually impact our family and our community. And we may even impact generations that we never even see in our lifetime. Researchers say, they love to use this, they say trauma, it can be passed down from generation to generation. And it actually can. It can be passed down through genetics as well. But if that's the case, then so can generational healing and so can generational blessing. As we take godly dominion, we have to start telling the devil, you can't build a home in my mind. We can't give him access to our mind because he will take authority in our mind. He will try to build a home there. So we have to start speaking against it. We have to tell him that you have no power over my thoughts. You have no power over my feelings, even if there's times where we feel like he does. There's power speaking out loud. I believe the enemy is using the attack of anxiety and depression to infiltrate our world today. I mean, you can go around and maybe even half of this congregation may have gone through anxiety attacks or maybe more than half have gone through seasonal depression. Anxiety wants you to relive your past and fear your future. That's the whole goal of anxiety. And when we become ruled by the what ifs, what happens is we miss out on how enriching God's presence is in our now. We have to refocus our thoughts on all the things that are going well in our life right now. 
And a lot of times people will say, you can, you can control whatever thought pops in, into your mind. Actually, you can. I mean, I, I know that's maybe a little controversial. Automatic thoughts will pop in. But what you can control, and it's been proven, is what thoughts you feed and how you respond to your thoughts. So when a thought pops in, instead of letting the spiral continue, I encourage my clients to journal it. Write down all those negative thoughts. Get a little creative. Rip it up. Put it in a bonfire. Whatever you need to do. And then write down the truth. Write down scriptures. Listen to music that talks about the goodness of God or your faith. We have to write down the truth and shred the negative lies of the enemy. I often talk about this study. It's actually a neuroscience study. And I probably will try to say it every message that I get. But basically what happened is they brought um, patients or, or participants in. And these participants were struggling with heightened anxiety. And what they told the participants to do is, I want you to say out loud everything that you're grateful for. Start listening, listing it. And all of a sudden, when they started talking about the things that were, they were thankful for, the anxiety stopped in their brain. The brain waves actually pulsed. And what those researchers found is that anxiety and gratitude cannot exist in the brain at the same time. So that tells me that God has given you a built-in coping strategy. So when you're fought with anxiety, when you're fought with depression, I encourage you to start worshiping, and that will pause. And it may not always pause, but even if it's for a few minutes, that few minutes can give you an ability to be empowered, to give you a, a chance to breathe, and to step further into that next step. When we worship, what we're saying is, even if there's storms that are raging in my life, even if I'm still in the middle of the storm, God is good and he will always be worthy of my praise. You have to let your praise be bigger than your worry. That has to be the guiding principle in our lives. Another important thing that I want to talk about this morning is connection versus shame. Shame is a huge emotion that impacts so many people. I can say the word, and some of your expressions just change. Sometimes my clients want to run out of the room. They're like, oh, no, she's going to talk about shame. But shame, what it does, it tells you that you are unworthy of love. You're unworthy to belong. You have no purpose. It tries to strip you of connection. The voice of shame will lure you into fighting with yourself. If it's not causing you to fight with other people, it's going to say you need to beat up on yourself. And the enemy will use the feeling of shame to get you to feel hopeless, to feel broken and stuck in your current trial. And he will convince you, you have to wear a mask. You can't show people how you feel. You can't tell them you're having a hard day. Because he knows that if you speak out, if you're vulnerable and you connect to other people, shame cannot survive. Shame cannot survive an empathetic witness. And I know it's not easy as a counselor that goes to my own counselor. Sometimes I'm like, Carol, I don't want to talk about feelings today. Let's talk about, you know, something else. How are you doing? And, you know, so often it's difficult for us to express ourselves, but we have to learn how to have compassion for other people and compassion for ourselves. And the power of the presence of God is that even in your listening, even if you listen to someone, he can use you to break generational curses for someone in their life. In listening, it's a ministry that we often don't talk about. We're quick to say, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. But what if you stop and you say, how can I, how can I support you through my listening? That's ministry. And that's something that can open the door to healing. 
And I think as people, we're so much of fixers. We don't want to see anybody hurting. So when people come to us and they say, hey, I'm going through a tough time, what do we normally do? Like, okay, well, have you tried this? Or can you do that? Or let me do this with you. And a lot of times what people are wanting us to do is to drop everything that we're doing and saying, I'm here with you right now, and I'm going to be your empathetic witness. To listen to them, to be present with them, and to give them a little boost when they may be stuck. But also, we have to be their prayer partner. And if you don't know which one they need, I encourage you just ask them. A lot of times I'll ask my family and friends, do you need me to listen to you? Or do you need me to give you advice? Put, them in, put that in their hands so that you don't have to question, you don't have to wonder. Jesus, he perfectly modeled active listening all throughout the Bible. And a lot of times we see him sitting with others. Sometimes he's not even saying a word at first. He's listening. And he built trust and he healed emotional wounds with compassion and grace. And that is what we should model our relationships after. Mark 6, 7 says, Calling the twelve to him, the disciples, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. And at first, you know, you hear the scripture a lot and nothing stood out to me until I started researching it a little bit. And Jesus, he could have sent those disciples out one by one. And in theory, they would have covered so much more ground. But when I read the scriptures, I believe what Jesus is telling us is that he created a map of how we should live our lives. If we were created to isolate, then we wouldn't see so many examples in the scriptures of ministering moments happening with teammates. And that points to the emotional, the spiritual, and the physical authority that comes when you're united with one another. When there is unity, strongholds will break. When there is unity, depression and oppression lift and curses will diminish. When there is unity, anxiety decreases and peace is restored in people's minds. When there is unity, mental health is no longer shamed but advocated for and churches become hospitals for the hurting. Demons will flee, angels will congregate, and God's spirit will reside. Because when there is unity, there is victory, lives are saved, and God's perfect will comes to pass. And I believe that so strongly. If our churches can learn how to unite together, if they can learn to put aside everything that's going on and just say, hey, I'm here for you. I may not always like you, but I have to love you. And I may not spend all kind of time with you, but I can pray for you. And I can put away my emotions. I can put away the conflict because I know that we all should be kingdom-minded. We have to put God back at our center. And the way I describe it is he has to be our first love. And so often he's our second and third and fourth love. But we haven't prioritized him in the way that he's asking and calling us to. If we aren't mindful, we will know God by what he does, but not who he is. We will see him as a provider, but not a partner that we know intimately. We will notice his blessings, but we won't recognize his voice. We will call him Savior, but miss the joy of having a daily relationship with him. And we will know him for his strength, but not as a God of love and connection who yearns for us to spend time in his presence. We have to train our ears to hear the whispers of God. And we love when God comes in with a mighty rush and when it's just fire. But are we missing out on the still small voice that he is so accustomed to giving us? In the Bible, when God wanted to whisper to his prophet Elijah, 
He took him to a place where he knew he would listen. When God whispers, his words are personal and they are private. They're actually a direct word just for you before they come up, become a word for other people. For three years before Jesus visited Elijah on the mountaintop, he went through persecution, turmoil, and was repeatedly struck down. Researchers even kind of wonder if he had post-traumatic stress disorder because of everything that he went through. But it, instead of him staying stuck in that, he chose to brave the wilderness, the storms, and God met him that day in that sacred moment. And I ask you, what if in your suffering you are becoming more attuned to the whispering voice of God, getting so close enough to hear his breath, to feel his breath formed into words just for you? In Hosea 2.14, we see how God uses wilderness seasons in our lives. It says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her back her vineyards and make the valley of Accor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And when researching that, this is why we have to dig into the word, the valley of Accor actually means trouble. So what it's saying, and it makes it so much more special, this verse, the valley of trouble is actually going to be your door of hope. And that's exactly what that, that title is talking about. Sometimes you have to limp to victory. We're not always running. We're not always sprinting. But even if you're limping, God can still honor a limp because it can lead to your victory. Hear me when I say that your wilderness is not abandonment and it's not punishment. It is an opportunity to hear the innermost thoughts and feelings of God. Your desert moments are not meant to destroy you. They are meant for direction and redemption. And God will use our wilderness seasons, the times when we've been broken, when we've been crushed, we're uncertain, we may have low faith. He will use those moments to draw us closer to him. And if we give him our ashes, he will always create beauty. But in order for us to have a truly intimate relationship with God, we have to learn how to slow down. Something that I've been actively trying to do is be still in the presence of the Lord for at least 30 seconds because I'm a doer. Or wake, making my way up to a minute or two. No music, no sound, nothing. Just sitting in his presence. And I've learned to hear the voice of God so much stronger because I'm pushing out the chaos of the world. And I encourage you to do that. Find your prayer closet. Go out in nature. Look at his creation. And you'll start to hear his voice whispering stronger and it's going to sound like almost like a microphone. That's the beauty of connecting with God in an intimate way. And when we become in tune with the voice of God, he's going to trust us to discern the need of others. What I found is people are speaking to us, whether they or we realize it or not. But are we training our ears to listen? Do we see the lady at the store who only has a few dollars, and she's scanning the aisles saying, how am I going to feed my family with just $5? The co-worker who spews negativity but no one realizes is that his marriage is failing and he feels hopeless, he feels insecure, and he doesn't know how to save it. Or the person who says, I'm fine. And we take their word for it. We just trust what they're saying. But we don't realize that they're whispering, I'm battling suicide, this may be my last day. We have to start listening and paying attention more. Lives are at stake. And instead of whispering words of 
gossip and animosity, what if we focused on using our voice to empower the person next to us? What if we whisper to the hurting person, I see your pain and I know a God who heals. Can I pray for you? Can I just sit with you, even in your valley? Could it be that more miracles would take place? Would revival start because we are united in a shared purpose? And would the lost and hurting find rest? There would be seasons when pain and trauma is screaming at it, and us. And it's so hard to hear sometimes the voice of God or even people when it feels like a tornado in our lives. But when you're connected to one another, what you can do is you can be strong when your fellow partner is having a weak moment. You can stand in the gap, you can pray for them, and you can stop and halt the attacks of the enemy for that person in your life. There was a defining moment that I experienced not too long ago. And as I said, God speaks to me in the strangest places. So I was pulling into my garage, and that takes a lot of concentration. And all of a sudden, God told me, and he whispered to me, said, when did you stop falling in love with me? And I was like, like almost hit the side. I'm like, Lord, can you, can you wait till I'm parked? <laughs> and I immediately caught my breath. And I started with tears in my eyes saying, God, I do love you. I've always loved you. I mean, I've been in the church as part of my testimony all my life. And I told him all the things that I felt like I was doing, the sacrifices, the works. And honestly, it felt like my heart was breaking a little bit. And his voice, he wasn't angry. He didn't speak to me with shame or condemnation. He was so gentle and so connected and so compassionate. And I began to realize that in the same way that I connect with people so often, the doing, the burnout, the mimicking, I was mimicking that in my relationship with God. And though those actions were serving him and it was honoring him, he could do without it. What he wanted was me to yearn for his presence. There's something different between a routine with a God and an intimate relationship with God. And since that moment, something's changed, and I'm not a crier. My family wishes I was sometimes, but I'm not. But every time I get into the presence of God, something just stirs in me, and I feel almost like a weeping effect because I don't have walls with him right now, and I, and I don't plan on. But when he is your first love, you never leave the altar because the altar is built in your mind. And when the Bible talks about praying without ceasing, what I believe he's saying is when he's your first love, you have never left him because you have constant connection with him throughout the day. When he's your first love, you desire the heal healer more than the healing. I'm going to let that kind of register for a minute. We're focused on the healing, but if we would focus on the healer, we would have answers to our prayers. And when we have a first love, he goes from our routine to our reason. And I encourage you to find whatever that may look like to reprioritize him in your life to be your first love. What would happen if we become just as desperate for the whispers of God as we are his strength and his blessings? In the whispers, we start to know the very nature of God. And not only do we hear his voice, we will start to breathe, feel him breathing life into our mind, our emotions, and our relationships. In his still small voice today, he can remind you that you are not forgotten. He can speak healing over the wounds of your heart. His voice can bring <clears throat> clarity and it can bring peace. It can part waters and it can soothe your soul. He can whisper hope into any broken marriage. He can whisper joy and comfort into grief and sorrow. Your dreams can come back into existence. He can mend every mind, every heart, and bind every attack of the enemy in your life. 
all in a whisper. And I'm fixing to close, but what they're going to do is they're going to play a few-minute clips, and it's from the show The Chosen. And I'm not saying that everything is completely in line with Scripture, so just take it for what it is. But in this scene, you're going to see an actor, and he's going to Jesus, and he's saying, God, why, why won't you heal me? And putting this into perspective, the disciples were sent out to heal the sick, to speak life into people. And this actor actually, up, <clears throat> up until this point, we don't see him in many parts of the episode. And if we see him, he's usually in the back, and he's limping. And so this clip was actually a defining moment in the show. And when doing research on this actor, he actually really has a physical disability in real life. And he was turned down time after time for different shows because they said, you know what, you have a physical disability, so it's not going to look right in the show. We want someone that can walk straight. We want someone to do this. And what the writers did is they wrote his physical disability into the storyline, and what you're going to see is a representation of what God says about healing. Please. You're sending us out with the ability to heal the sick and lame. Yes, that, that is what you said. Yes. So you're telling me that I have the ability to heal. <laughs> Forgive me, I just find that difficult to imagine with my condition, which you haven't healed. Do you want to be healed? Yes, of course, if, if that's possible. I think you've seen enough to know it's possible. Then why haven't you? Because I trust you. What? Little James. Precious little James. I need you to listen to me very carefully. Because what I'm going to say defines your whole life to this point and will define the rest of your life. Do you understand? In the Father's will, I could heal you. Right now. And you'd have a good story to tell, yes? Yes, that you do miracles. And that's a good story. But there are already dozens who can tell that story. And there will be hundreds more, even thousands. But think of the story that you have, especially in this journey to come, if I don't heal you. To know how to proclaim that you still praise God in spite of this. To know how to focus on all that matters so much more than the body. To show people that you can be patient with your suffering here on earth because you know you'll spend eternity with no suffering. Not everyone can understand that. How many people do you think the Father and I trust this with? Hmm? Not many. The others, there's so much more. So much more what? I don't know. Stronger? Better at this? 
James, I love you. But I don't want to hear that ever again. I know how easy it is to say the Song of David that I fearfully and wonderfully made. But it doesn't make this any easier. And in this group, it doesn't make me feel like any less of a burden. A burden? First of all, it is far easier to deal with your slow walking than it is to deal with Simon's temper. Trust me. Are you fast? Do you look impressive when you walk? Maybe not. But these are things the father doesn't care about. You are going to do more for me than most people ever dream. So many people need healing in order to believe in me. Or they need healing because their hearts are so sick. That doesn't apply to you. And many are healed or not healed because the Father in Heaven has a plan for them which may be a mystery. And we remember what Job said. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you pass from this earth and you meet your Father in heaven, where Isaiah promises you will leap like a deer, your reward will be great. So hold on a little longer. And when you discover yourself finding true strength because of your weakness, and when you do great things in my name, in spite of this, the impact will last for generations. Do you understand? Yes. Thank you, Master. A man like you, healing others. Oh, what a sight. I can't wait to hear your stories when you return. Shalom, my son. Shalom. And James. Remember. You will be healed. It's only a matter of time. of the Lord so strongly in this place. God, we want to wait on you just for a moment to put aside the routine, the structure, just to be able to soak in the message that you had for us just now. And I can feel the hearts that were starting to transform, the minds that were shifting. And right now, I believe we're going to take just a, a moment or two and just to give you these final words, and we're going to come to the altar in just a moment. If we aren't careful, we will focus on what we lack versus the power of God that resides in our life. And too often we are looking for proof of why we can't be called, why there's no possible way that God can use us. 
So we let shame hijack our calling. We disconnect from people. We wear a mask. We disconnect from the world and even ourselves. And we tell things to God like, God, you couldn't possibly want me. You couldn't possibly use me because I have grief. I have depression. I have anxiety. I have all these physical health issues. I have a limp. And I have spiritual numbness. And what we do is we're opening the door for the enemy to whisper lies that we are broken, that we are lesser than, and that our impact is minimal, if any. Hear me today, this morning, when I say that mental, physical, or spiritual issues do not disqualify you from the presence of God. It actually qualifies you. And it certainly does not disqualify you from being used to bring glory to God. And in fact, just like we saw with little James, it positions you to be a walking miracle of God's sustainability and a bridge that will connect people to God. The enemy this morning, he wants to keep you silent. He's going to do everything that he can for you not to be vulnerable. And he will plant seeds of doubt in your mind. In many of us, these thoughts have come in the form of, if God really loved you, he would have healed you. You're walking through this because you did something wrong. And he plants these seeds of doubt and he continues to attack you because he wants you to hide. He wants you to live in bondage and to feel worthless so that he can steal your testimony. Because the truth is your testimony is your mission field. And when we hide our testimony, not only do we limit healing for ourselves, but every person that we can come into contact with. If we can all stand this morning. And worship team, if you can come help me out, I'd appreciate it. Many of us in here today, we feel like we're walking with a limp. Our hearts are hurting. Our mind is being tormented. There may be even people in this place right now that you have physical pain in your body. And you've been asking God to heal you. And you wonder, God, how long can I keep going? Something's got to give. Something's got to shift. Because I don't know how much longer I can do this. And I know that walking with a limp, it's heartbreaking. And I'm not taking away from how exhausting it can be because it's a real thing and it's tough to walk with a limp. But God has specifically brought me here today. And in fact, the enemy tried everything he could to not get me here with being sick for two weeks and barely even being able to walk. And he attacked my body because he didn't want me to give you this specific message that God is a God who sees you and he has not abandoned you. And when we come to God in our most broken, vulnerable moments, he creates purpose from our pain. He never leaves it for naught. He has a reason. And this morning, your limp can become your victory if you allow it to. And what I want us to do, and I have a specific instructions from God, sometimes it's fluid and sometimes he gives me instructions to give. And he told me, he said, Rhea, I am asking the people today to be vulnerable. And I know that means them stepping out of their comfort zone. And I know it means putting them in a situation where they may be uncomfortable. But I believe in what God is specifically saying, that if you will come undone, unrestricted into the presence of God, he will whisper something that will be a defining moment. And though you may leave with still some, some limp or some, uh, some extra struggles here and there, the difference is your perception will change. The oppression is going to lift. And there's going to be strength that re is restored in your mind and your body. So the first step of this altar call is going to be 
every single person to, if you want, you can come ahead, go ahead and come on up. And even if you're not comfortable, just step out to the side of the, the pew. God honors that as well. And if you can, get as close as possible. The first thing that we're going to do this morning is <clears throat> I want you to have an intimate, vulnerable moment with God. And God spoke to me, said, you know, there's some people in here that you are so used to being either the leader or the giver or all the people that are on our worship team or our media team. And the enemy sometimes will use our gifting to keep us from an intimate moment with God. So if that means media, worship team, you can lay the instrument down. You can put the microphone down. If it means that God is calling you, do not take that moment and just throw it away because of routine or duty. And we can, we can use worship with our mouth. We do, this is beautiful, and they do an amazing job. But we can still use it with our mouth. So worship team, media, prayer team, ministry team, I want you to focus on yourself for a moment. And whenever you feel like you've gotten your breakthrough, What's going to happen is I want you to turn around and find someone else to connect to. Because your breakthrough may come quicker than someone else's. And they're going to need you to stand in the gap and say, brother, sister, keep going. And I'll sit right here and I'll stand with you and I'll pray over you until you get your breakthrough as well. And the last thing we're going to do after that is I'm going to call pastor up. And he's going to um, usher us into a moment of worship. Why, Sister Tenny once said, she said, you can't stay in the travailing. You can't stay in the heaviness. So the way that we're going to close this service is we're going to send an ovation to God and we're going to worship him and thank him for the breakthrough. So as a worship team and for anybody that wants to come down, you can. But as you start singing, I'm going to come into the altar and pray over you guys. But I want to encourage every single person in here, start speaking out loud. Start speaking your voice out loud and tell God what you've been holding on to. Whatever brokenness you've been facing, God is the God of healing today. And I pray, I'm going to pray over you right now as every hand is lifted. God, we come to you right now with broken hearts, with turmoil in our lives. God, we know that we are walking with limp today. Some of us are running, but some of us have come in carrying so much. And our heart feels heavy. And we feel the oppression and the depression and the anxiety. But we know that you are the God of healing. So right now I speak healing in their lives. I speak victory. Every attack of the enemy is undone in Jesus' name. We speak favor in lives. We speak anointing. We speak breakthroughs in Jesus' name. We're going to use our voice to, to be vulnerable with Jesus today. In Jesus' name, we're ushering in your presence, Lord.
you turn it for good. It's not you over yet. Stay praying. Thank the Lord. God's working. God's working in God, you're helping us right now. God, you're helping us right now. 